Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Tuesday from the 27th floor of the win, <laughs> overlooking the Las Vegas mountains, Kevin O'Connor. Kevin! Chris, this is surreal right there. It is surreal. What is also surreal is you and I doing a podcast in person. For those of you that yes. have listened to us throughout the regular season of the NBA and then throughout the playoffs, we've been doing this Ringer NBA show for the entire season. Kevin and I had never met in person until this week <laughs> at the Las Vegas Summer League. So this is great to yeah, finally get yeah, to do a podcast yeah. in person instead of over a phone. Yeah, good thing we didn't record the Raptors blowing up one in person. <laughs> <laughs> one of us would have get tossed out the window. <laughs> That's right. This, is, uh, no, this has been great being at Summer League. Obviously, an opportunity to talk to all kinds of people around the league and see tons of basketball. Let's start with Summer League. Um, it seems to me just bouncing around in terms of players. And we'll get to everything that's happened in the league. Kevin wrote an article about the best and worst offseason so far. But walking around and talking to people just specifically about players, I hear a ton of Tatum uh, so far in this Las Vegas Summer League. I hear Donovan Mitchell from Utah. And I hear Dennis Smith Dennis Jr. Smith. from Ooh, Dallas. Yeah. It seems like when talking to people about who has really stood out to you? Because we, you always have to take into perspective, I think you know, with this summer league stuff, that being great in the summer league or having a great summer league, it, there's a history of guys that when you look back in time, it doesn't it doesn't add up. Like here's the here's the leading scorers from the different summer leagues for the last whatever, ten years. Nicholas Skidishvili, J.R. Smith, J.R. Randy Foy, Marcus Banks, Jared Bayless. Anthony Randolph, John Wall, there's a great one. John Wall. Damian Lillard, there's a great one. Uh, Dwight Bukes, Glenn Rice Jr., Seth Curry, Trey Lyles. So it's clearly not the end-all, be-all to sure. kill people sure. in Summer League. That being said, these were this was a rookie class that was very, very looked forward to. And I kind of feel like Tatum and... And and Dennis Smith Jr. are the two that people have been most impressed with. Dennis Smith has been really, really good. Like, I, I think you just see him in this environment right now compared to NC State. And at NC State, he had two big men on the floor at all times. And now he's playing with a more spaced floor, high pick and roll action. He has the ability to drive and create um, and get to wherever he wants on the floor. And that's such a significant difference. And now you're seeing him here and you're imagining him with Nerlens Noel rolling down the lane and Dirk Nowitzki, you know, spacing the floor and Wes Matthews in the corner. And you're like, whoa. Oh, this guy, he, he like a lot of people felt he has a chance to be the best you know player in the draft. He's starting to look like it already. Well, it's really good. You have seen some people already say, "Hey, this kid could have a chance at winning Rookie of the Year this year." A great coach. B uh, good culture, right? And he's going to be around Rick Carlisle, and he's going to be around Dirk Nowitzki. And C. He, they're going to give him the keys. By all accounts, talking to the people in Dallas in their games, I was trying to bounce around and talk to them, that they have decided they're going to they're going to let him go, and they're going to give him the keys. It's not going to be a, a a rookie that sits and collects dust for his first uh, season. He is, I believe, the highest draft pick they have had since they traded up to get Devin Harris. And by all accounts, I was talking to Tim McMahon from ESPN. He said, I cannot remember an athlete – that the Mavericks have had like this, which is strange because you think they have been a, this was a consistent playoff team for a decade, 50 plus wins over and over again. And they haven't really had, maybe Devin Harris would be the comparable athlete. Um, but this kid looks, I mean, he, he certainly looks the, my first impression of him is, man, I'd be surprised if he's not awesome. Yeah. I, I think um, Rick Carlisle had a quote the other day in an article he said, his eyes light up when you turn on NBA film. And that kind of alludes to, like, I think we just kind of talked about where, like, the NBA spacing will unlock him. Yeah. Um, just the, from the environment he came from at NC State to now, it's going to be such a drastic difference where, obviously, like, any young point guard is going to have some difficulties adjusting to the pace of the game, the speed of the game, and all that, whatever. But the fact is, is that Dennis Smith is, a, you know, a guy, you put him downhill in the pick and roll, and he's really, really, really hard to stop. The other thing was there is, he had some background stuff where there was some work about him like people thought off-court stuff yeah I don't know if it was off-court as much as like on-court like effort wasn't always there well and uh, he all well he's got a very strange 
uh, situation, and, and the backstory has been written before. I'm sure somebody will do a big story on it at some point, especially as he explodes. Raised by a single dad, which is very uncommon amongst NBA players, and so they wondered about like well, he is so talented, he's, he could jump off, he could jump out of the gym, etc. <clears throat> and I was told that they have like a, a psych doctor that does the interviews, Dallas, and they were a little worried that the psych doctor is going to go talk to this kid and that they're and he's going to flag him for something, yeah. right? Because why is he? They saw the talent and everything, and so what is it, right? What's going on here? And I was told the psych doctor walked out and told Cuban and the rest of the guys, that is one of the best interviews I have ever done in my life. With Dennis Smith. Yes. Hmm. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, so they were worried going into it. Yes. Okay. That some, well, oh. something must be awry here I know, because I know, I why know is this kid – sports psychology. Yeah, so. Why is this kid – why why would he be available at us? Yeah. Right? Cuz you wonder, yeah. right, with with anybody because there were people saying there were there was it was it was a common refrain that he could be better than his draft position going in. And the psych doctor walked out and said that's one of the most impressive interviews I've ever done. I've talked to a couple of executives, you know, near the top of the draft, near the middle of the draft and like like a handful of them have said I wish we had a chance at Dennis Smith. I wish like we were in a range where we could take him. He's like, you know, top 5 was too high, not going to fall to 10 to 17 range. Yep. He was just right there in the middle, right there for the plucking for Dallas and for the Knicks and they missed out. We, uh, but we'll see what happens how this goes. We also talked about Tatum. I will tell you I talked to an unnamed NBA player cuz everybody's here and I got to talking about Tatum. It was actually after the Los Angeles Celtics game where Lonzo had the triple-double, et cetera, right? And unnamed NBA player said to me, the first thing I I said, what did you think about Tatum? And, of course, eyes light up. And and, and this person has literally no involvement or care about the Celtics. And then the second thing he said was, he's already better than Jalen. And I was like, what? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I you did. think? Yeah, I agree with it. How do you think they <clears throat> sift that out in terms of minutes? Because it's be like hard. Jay Crowder yeah. and Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown, it, it, listen, it is not like he does not look like a fantastic prospect still. Yeah. He yeah. does. It's just you watch some of the Tatum stuff and it's it's different. He is so polished. He's just so like, – like if you – Put everybody on a graph, right? Right. Of like, uh, I guess, how should we frame this? Um, how about like with footwork yeah. at 19 years old? Uh, Tatum would be an outlier in terms of footwork. Just just footwork. Yeah. That's all. Um, I'm not talking about obviously scoring ability, but just footwork. He's an outlier. Yeah. And I think in that sense, like, that's why like he's been so damn impressive just creating a shot against anybody. And like, it's not going to be so easy right. against NBA players, but... Jalen is just so much more raw, right. uh, and I don't think he has quite the feel that Tatum does. So I think in that sense, that's where Tatum is just so far ahead. Athletically, obviously, Brown is ahead. You know, body-wise, he's ahead. And so that matters a lot, but just pure game, Tatum's ahead. Anybody else player-wise really stand out to you so far? I like Malik Beasley. I mean, interesting. I, I, he, I, 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 you I, know what? I forgot about yeah, him. I mean, I went in liking him, so like okay. a part of me, part of it might have to do with that. But he's also been impressive. I think Beasley did he be, even log minute barely any? Yeah. Uh, so, mean, so he's a guy. I think so. Like when they were involved, like in Paul George conversations, like I like tweeted out, like I would want Malik Beasley in any deal. Uh-huh. I just think he's going to be a really good player. I, I I just think his a like you talked about, you know, Dennis Smith, like personality wise, Beasley is off the charts. Like great kid. Uh, first of all, and then obviously great three-point shooter off the catch, good defender, can defend multiple positions. He just does so many things well. Like he's going to at least be at worst like a 3 and D guy, and then maybe he can build on that and become an even better player. Interesting you say that and bring up Denver because he was – they got a lot of really fun prospects, and then they've added yep. the great veteran in Paul Millsap. Jokic could take a massive leap forward. Jokic, who was already great, you could see him doing the – the Greek freak thing. Yeah. Where this is the first all-star appearance. And now it's the first all-star appearance of, of, of very many, especially getting to play next to Millsap, who is a great passer in his own right. Those yeah. two guys. Interestingly enough, I wonder how much I thought they just run the offense through them because in the conversations I've had about the nuggets, it has come back to Moody and Ugh. nobody has, has a high ball. opinion, Kevin. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody. He, like he hasn't come along at all, really. Nobody has a high yeah. opinion of of Moutier and and I'm talking about people that would know have. And I don't know if it's a work ethic thing or if it's obviously the, the he he was he had some injuries last year. Yeah, the, the percentage is very poor, but point guard is still going to be, I think, an Achilles heel for Denver this upcoming year, or could possibly, dependent upon how they play it out. Um, but that's the one position they got. So many fun prospects. You like yeah. Beasley. Yeah, yeah. They got Jamal, Jamal Murray. Murray. They got yep. they got Jokic. They yep. got some fun stuff Juan, going on Juan, in Denver. Juan Hernan Gomez, a guy right. I like a lot. I mean, they they have so much damn talent. Even like Will Barton, right? Uh, coming off the bench. For them, I tell you but, this: if they would have gotten George Hill, different world. Yeah, yeah I, that would have been I, a good I, fit I, for them. I reported that they were going to be chasing him, but I, I thought yeah. I thought they would have an opportunity. But I guess he signed like a, a deal that he couldn't pass up. Granted, well, granted, no, the granted. deal he couldn't pass up yeah, he, was the one in yeah, Utah, he, he and he did. Yeah, he did pass on it. Yeah, that, that's it's true. like four and eighty. De- Denver's got a lot of good things happening for them. I mean, they, they, you mentioned the point guard position, but it's like they have so much of everything else. I know. It's it. like I think eventually they'll be able to plug in that point guard when there are so many point guards in the league. Um, it's unfortunate they don't. They look, Moutier could be one. Um, I mean, he's still young. He's still only twenty-one years old. Uh, so like, it's not like any of us should be giving up on him. But obviously. He hasn't quite progressed to where you would like him to be, considering the situation that they're in, where they could make a push for the playoffs, even in the loaded West, like a seven or eight seed. I wonder if they would try to run Jamal. I'm, I don't like Jamal Murray as a point guard. You don't? No, I don't. I, I know a lot of people view him as that, but I, I think he's just more of a two. That's why, one of the reasons. But why could he? But could he? If you've got the he, two awesome yeah. point forward, point center types. Yeah, with Jokic sure. and Millsap, yeah, right? So, so that's that's the appeal where like he's not a point guard, but he right. plays the role of one of the multiple ball handlers. Can you get the ball past half court? Yeah, pretty much. Where it's like you have multiple guys that run your offense, and that's really the type of basketball I really like in today's right. league, where you don't have one primary ball handler and multiple guys doing things. So in that sense, sure. He can be your your quote unquote point guard, um, but I don't like him if you're expecting him to be like the primary ball handler um, that really initiates most of the offense. I just like Murray running around screens and just spotting up, uh, just just really I think using his gravity to space the floor against the defense. There is nobody I've seen that's a highly ranked prospect or one of those high picks in the draft that I have thought to myself. Oh man, this is not going to be what I thought it was, right? Oh, I've yeah. seen I've seen Fox, and I think to myself as I watch him, my God, when he figures it out, the kid's going to be a, a superstar. Mm-hmm. Like I really believe that. He looks so good. Ball, you know, had that miserable first game, but he's got what we thought For he's sure. got. Tatum, same way. Fultz, in the very short amount of time, got to see him. Um, same thing, but it might be down to your best buddy. Lori Markkinen oh, before no. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Because he was the one that yeah. the huge spotlight was on anyway because of the Jimmy Butler deal. Yep. Last night was like 0 of 10. I <laughs> mean, missed everything. He, he got he got killed two games in a row. Ryan Kelly beat him up. And then <laughs> uh, John Collins last night. <laughs> Damn. It's rough so far for him. I think he's the old, like, I mean, when we're going down the list yeah. of the guys that I have seen so far, all of them look, and then you get, and then even you make the jump to Dennis Smith. All of them look like even Donovan Mitchell, like Bam Adebayo in Orlando is playing well. Like, Adebayo even, looks even like go down the list, like to the other other guys. Adebayo like, looks fantastic. He looks great. Yeah, he looks yeah. exactly like he, he's the kind of guy that you would love because yeah. he is block shots, rebound, super high rim, motor, rim run. You know, yeah, just get, get, you know, gets in front of the rim. Great he's, motor he's good, too. Yeah, good hands. I, I like Bam a lot. Great motor. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big. And fan. who was the one you mentioned before that? Uh, Donovan Mitchell. In love with him. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody loves Mitchell. I asked I'm around fine. about him, and I said, <laughs> I asked somebody, I was like, "What do you know about Donovan Mitchell?" And the first thing they said to me, and you would, and this is very, 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 very high praise. Said Patino loved him. Mm-hmm. And I only say that, forget whatever your opinion is of Rick Patino. Tino's not in love with everybody. No. Let's just be honest. No, he's, he's not, not. in love with <laughs> – he ain't in love. He is not one that is effusive in praise to the point where he would come out and tell everybody, <laughs> I really love this kid. Yeah. But that kid – is special. Maybe more so And the first summer league, the one that they played in Orlando, he was off the chart. Or was it Utah? They might have uh, played yeah, in the Utah, Utah one. Yeah. 
he was off the charts when I saw him on NBA TV. And I'm, th- I mean, he was hitting daggers. He, <laughs> he, he plays with yeah. a real motor. It, it, and the funny thing is with Mitchell is like he, he never became a full-time basketball player until he was junior in high school. So yep. he doesn't have the years that some of these other guys have. And his defense, like, look, even if his offense never gets better for where it is right now, his defense will allow him to have a long career because he's that good on that end of the floor. So if, if you ha- take Mitchell at what he is now, this is why – I viewed him as one of like the nine or ten guys that have a chance of being the best player in the draft because if you take where he is now and you project how he improved from his freshman year at Louisville to his sophomore year and then you project forward, he has shown the ability to create off the dribble. You mentioned the dagger shots he's hit. Um, he has the ability to play make a little bit, but he's really more score, score first guard. Just projecting ahead, there's a chance. There is a chance that he ends up the best player in the draft. And I think, you know, Everything Utah did uh, this offseason, and obviously, you know, sucks for them they're losing Gordon Hayward, but that trade moving up to draft Mitchell might have been the, like one of the best moves of the offseason, in That's- my opinion. Trading 24 and Trey Lyles to move up to 13, because Mitchell was like the guy that I would be angling to trade up for. So, like, I'm biased here, yeah. but I just love that move for them for that particular reason. I think it could end up, like, go down as one of those low key best moves that when we look back a couple of years from now that nobody's talking about it, trading up for Donovan Mitchell could be the best move. I really wanted to see Harry Giles because you know from this class he was one of them that was once upon a time people thought Harry Giles was the best player in the class. People thought maybe this kid could be like the comps in high school were Chris Weber. And obviously he's had he's been cut on a lot of times. He's had the uh, you know Really bad luck injury-wise. That being said, he is – he's not playing, so I haven't gotten to see him. I have seen the Kings twice. I mentioned already what I thought about Fox. Frankie Mason was great last night. Yeah. And – he's, he's got energy. He was Mason, the yeah. lowest drafted AP player of the year out of college basketball that's ever. A, that's a good fun fact. How about that? I didn't know that. Because you watch yeah. him and you're like, well, all right, what what the hell do these guys – I, I don't care. They, 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 they put – a, your age around your ne- you know like a scarlet letter yeah and like what do you need to see from frank mason to know that he does not suck right <laughs> like it's yeah. just a matter of how good he is going to be or he's but gonna he's at not least be gonna a be a solid backup point guard yes right? yeah right mm-hmm. and he was really good last night. and he it reminds you when you see a guy like that they're just and you can really tell a difference even when it comes to summer league of the more experienced players they just look like they've got a for better sure. feel for the game. They look more in control. They look more like they belong. They're more aggressive, right? They're not scared of anything. They've played in these massive environments, high leverage situations. So this summer league thing is not a big deal to them. And then you do see some of the younger kids, and they're just they're like deer in the headlights, even in a summer league, because it's like, okay, this is different. You know, that's the interesting thing, you know, you're, you're touching on there, Chris, because like, so Mason went 34, right? Right. If you asked me before the draft, um, I, I would have said Mason would get drafted. But if, if you asked me who who historically would probably be like drafted first, Frank Mason or a guy like Kobe Simmons, a raw point guard from Arizona, um, really underdeveloped, but an elite athlete. Um, you can see the potential with him. I would have probably said Kobe Simmons would get drafted ahead of ahead of Frank Mason just because Frank Mason's older. Right, you kind of he is who he is. People would say right. Yep. Um, whereas Kobe Simmons, you see the potential, and Simmons didn't even get drafted. Um, so that surprised me. The Grizzlies have signed him yeah, to a two way deal. Yep. He is going to be the Memphis Hustle point guard. Yes, first year for the Memphis Hustle. Right? And obviously, yeah. I've been to all their games. Um, very intriguing. You know, shots a little flat, but he is. He's got great size. He is super fast. Yeah, he is. And he is really long. And I'm not a fan. You're not? Personally, no. You're not? I absolutely is good feel. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big feel guy. I'm a big feel guy. Look, so, like, he's the type of You're guy. You're about to feel my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm dying over here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, uh, you I need Kobe Simmons to yeah. be great. Uh, uh, he's, a, he's one of those types of guys you want to you wanna <laughs> use on a two-way contract. Like, that's the great benefit of those. Come on. I'm um, talking myself into Kobe Simmons here. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, maybe he learns how to play basketball. <laughs> oh, great. That's all I did. All right, enough. enough. <laughs> Enough about Kobe Simmons. Yeah. The, back to the original point. I yeah. do think that there is some, though they're dropping to the second round, there is a little bit of this. Uh, I think some of these guys, maybe some that would even go lower, like the Frank Masons of the world, that they now, some of these teams look. And how many times have I chronicled this? Whether it is 
Chandler Parsons or it's Draymond Green or it's Jay Crowder or it's Mal- last year Malcolm Brogdon. I'm yeah. talking guys that were players of the year in major conferences, right? You have established amongst your peers of what is in most cases filled with talented uh, players within those power five conferences that you were the best amongst those, right? And that teams have got all of those guys that I just mentioned, you know, Chandler Parsons, SEC player of the year, second round, Draymond Green and Jay Crowder, respectively, Big Ten and Big East. Last year, Brogdon, ACC player of the year. We had three of them at least taken in the second round. Uh, Frank Mason, you had, uh, who was AP player of the year. You had Dylan Brooks, from uh, Oregon, Pac-12. Not, not a big fan of him either. Of course you're not. <laughs> also, Sundarius Thornwell, who you know I loved. I, I, I like that. And, I like and was great in the first game yeah. against the Clippers. But th- one of those three guys, or maybe multiple of those three guys, is go- we are going to look back and we are going to go, For sure. they were drafted too low. How can you miss when they have a college body of work that there is uh, so many of these guys always want to hit the grand slam rather than the double? And that's why Brogdon goes in the second round, and that's why Draymond goes in the second round, and that's why. But I'm telling you, of those three guys, Mason Brooks and Thornwell, um, two of them at least will have long NBA careers, I believe. It's odd. Um, the draft is weird. Yep. Uh, it's it's a very weird thing because like you look at even some of the other guys. So I'm just I have the draft up here, like guys like Jonah Bolden, Shemi Ojale, uh, go down the list, Damian Dotson. Sterling Brown, like these guys who project easily yes. into that crucial, important piece of a championship team, and that's the three and D role players. Right. And a lot of those guys can be more than that. So it's surprising to me that so many of them slip into the second round when we all know how important they are. Uh so it's a little it's a little weird to me that you continue to see, you know, the Caleb Swanigans and Tony Bradleys, uh the Tyler Lydons going ahead. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Yeah. Um because I like Swanigan and I like Tony Bradley. But it's just a little weird to me that those guys do dip as far as they do, especially Sterling Brown falling to 46. Like, I love that dude. Uh, I'm, I'm stunned he fell as far as he did. And I think he's looked pretty solid in, in the limited Milwaukee Bucks I've seen so far. Anything else particularly stand out to you about Las Vegas Summer League so far while we're here? It's a circus. It's a circus. It's your first one? Yeah, first one. I've, me too. I've, I've never been here. It's, it's, it's a total circus. Um it's amazing. So the first game I went to was on Saturday because uh, I got in late Friday. I didn't see any games that day. And the first game was Celtics-Lakers. And the crowd, it, it was like a Lakers playoff game. And from what everybody here is telling me is like they've never seen a game at Las Vegas Summer League like that either. Just the interest is so high right now. Like even yesterday, yesterday's Lakers-Kings game, people were cheering at the, like cheering like crazy towards the end of that game. It was fun. And that cool was time. everybody wanted to see Fox versus Ball. Yes. And, in and this we, environment. We didn't see Lonzo or, or any Laker, really, for that matter. Unfortunately, yeah, we did Th- not. Th- Thomas Bryant was out there hustling, like always. I, I, I like him. We did not. That is a guy that killed his draft stock. Yeah. He should have come out the year before. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I think. I think he should have. He probably should have. Yeah, he probably should have. He should have. He should have. Okay. Yeah. He, he should have. This was a stacked <laughs> draft. You yeah, know what I mean? Was. Numbers went against yeah. him. If anything, maybe one. he should have stayed another year. But but with the coaching changes, I'm sure he didn't want to deal with that. Neither did OG and Anobi. They did not want to. Or, I mean, in terms of what you were saying, the the amount of people that are there, everybody wanted to see Fox versus Ball uh, and that be revisited in the summer league. So we didn't get to see that. But to your original point, which is that you were at Celtics Lakers. So I was talking to some fans that were that day. There were games. Everything is wall to wall. It starts around one o'clock out here. And then it goes all the way until 1030. Okay. And there's just games and there's two adjoining gyms, the Cox Pavilion and Thomas and Mack Center. By the way, shout out to UNLV. The facilities are fantastic. They are. I really think that it's really nice, Um, really nice setup. It's great to be able to bounce between the two gyms, everything going on. But what I was saying is the fans that I saw, they said they've been coming to it for the last five to 10 years. They come every year and they just walk up to the box office and they buy a ticket for the day. So they walked up on Saturday to get the ticket to go in to watch the games all day. No tickets available. Sold out. Sold out. Unbelievable. Okay. Sold out. They walked around outside. And there are scalpers outside. Now, I don't know if these guys got, you know, rused or whatever, but they said they shopped around to find tickets. And once you get the ticket, you're in for the day, yep. right? 200 bucks a piece. So, 
I, I That's heard, what they paid. I heard one of those scalpers was trying to buy credentials uh, off somebody. How much? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Uh, w- w- one, reporter said, w- w- one reporter, who I won't, obviously won't say their name, said to me that the scalper was like, how much for your credential? So that's like some such that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, seriously. It's got your picture I just, on I, it. I just like ready, ready to continue walking on by. Your picture by is on the no credential. Kidding. No kidding. <laughs> How much? Yeah, how much? <laughs> Chris, Chris is going to be like, for sale, walking around outside Thomas and Mac today. It's for sale. Taking, taking bids now. It's going to depend on these slot machines. Yeah, exactly. It's going to depend on I, these I need slides. to buy my flight home. That's right. Uh, all right, so Summer League so far has been a great time. Uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote an article about the best and worst off-seasons, and I will tell you, Kevin – there is a glaring omission <laughs> that is just appalling. We'll get to it right after these words. Podcast today brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you're like me, you're not so great at planning ahead. I've got good news for you. There's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute, and Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. These aren't last resort places. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels you want to stay in. And with so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. Hotel Tonight is great for a spontaneous getaway or going on that trip you've always wanted to do. Or if you're just on a road trip and you're like, all right, I'm going to stop in whatever city. If you've got the Hotel Tonight app, you're way ahead of the game and you can get a great hotel room for cheap. Because even though the name's app is Hotel Tonight, you can book even a week in advance. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. So get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Today's NBA show is also brought to you by Saks Underwear. Guys, you may think that all underwear is the same. Quality doesn't matter, but it does. Don't put up with a pair that rides up, chafes, or that you'll throw out in a few months. Make the switch to the best underwear, Saks Underwear. This stuff has saved me in Vegas. Number one, it's 150,000 degrees. Number two, you got to walk and walk. I don't have a car here, so I'm walking everywhere, walking up and down the strip, and the Saks underwear has saved me. They've got it all, comfortable fabrics, great supportive design with their ballpark pouch, and, again, no chafing. I love my Saks underwear. It's what I wear every single day. I'm a fan of their Vibe line. I also like wearing the Kinetic when I'm out and I've got to do a ton of walking up and down the strip and it's 150 million degrees outside. Outside Magazine just had an article on Saks and how they've revolutionized underwear the same way that Gore-Tex revolutionized jackets. It's true. Saks has taken something we all need and they've made it better. Total comfort, moisture wickening benefits, and great support while you're moving around and moving freely. I want you to try Saks underwear with my special limited time deal go to the url saxunderwear.com slash nba you'll get 20% off your first purchase i promise you guys you will love these pick up a few pairs go to saxunderwear.com that's sax with two x's s-a-x-x underwear.com slash nba 20% off your first purchase saxunderwear.com slash nba all right kevin so you wrote about the five best off seasons the five worst off seasons I guess, um, man, how do I put this lightly? <laughs> Why do you hate Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder? Uh, okay, so uh, let me just say this. Oklahoma City should be there. Uh, with the timing of how the article was written. What, what uh, do you be, mean the timing? Be, <laughs> you write it five weeks ago? Very, yeah, I wrote it a month ago? Seven months ago. Yeah, <laughs> last year when I got hired, that's when I wrote this. Last August. Uh, no, no, really, just with the timing, it's been super, super busy in Vegas. And uh, the, the initial plan was kind of to do like all 30, um, but we just that was like way too long. Uh, so with the timing of everything, it was getting late in the day yesterday. I liked my Atlanta Hawks re- uh, right up. I liked that blurb a lot. So we kept that there, and um, Oklahoma City got bumped. But look, some of the Oklahoma City thoughts are scattered throughout um, the other section. Uh, like everything that's said Kevin. about the Pacers applies to Oklahoma Kevin. City too. I know. It's a bad excuse. Oklahoma City should be there. I was wrong. I admit it. I was wrong. Should have put them. You know, all right, let me help you out with this. <laughs> it's a little bit older. This is what you do when you omit something that obviously should be there. I'm honest. I'm an honest guy, don't, Chris. Don't be honest. I'm an honest guy. You can do one of two things. I'm counterculture guy. 
Oh, I am. I got the Hawks on there. <laughs> right. So be that. You're like, you don't understand how much I love blowing stuff up. That's what you need to say. No. Listen, I am way more hey. impressed with somebody that is gonna that blew up their team than somebody that is taking a run at a title. The second thing is, or this would be better. You can say, I wanted to be different, right? And this would go into the sure. counterculture thing. I want to be – everybody's got – everybody's sure. going to be writing about Oklahoma City. What you sh- uh, what I should have done is just mentioned, obviously Oklahoma City should of be course. here. But everybody's talked about them being a big winner. Here's some others. My, my response is super bland and super honest. <laughs> and, and it's the truth, though. That is exactly why. But, but it, you know, look, I, I think Atlanta should be there, though. Atlanta should be. Not over Oklahoma look, City. Uh, All right, let's look, go through the the, 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 the the article is essentially like best decisions. I don't know if it's really like the, the best off seasons. It's like the best decisions. So like the decision by Atlanta. Oh yeah, the to, best decision. Hey, yeah, don't yeah. don't don't keep digging. Look, you yeah, already uh, have the shovel. <laughs> Listen, the best decision is trading <laughs> Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis yeah. for Paul yeah. George, yeah, but, and, and then any, signing anybody? Patrick Patterson yeah. for five million I know, bucks. I know, okay. okay, that's the best decision. Yeah. Okay, fair, not that's fair. Not fair. allowing I, Paul Millsap to walk. I'm digging. <laughs> this building is falling right now, but it's just me that's falling. <laughs> All right, let's yeah, get back okay, to the, who yeah, you did yeah, name. Okay. Enough. We we uh, right off the bat. There's Kevin O'Connor telling you Oklahoma City should have been there. Yeah, they should have right. been there. Houston. This is an obvious <laughs> yeah. one. Added Chris Paul. Added PJ Tucker. They've had a very good off season for sure. They're now very, extremely intriguing. Talking to people around the league here at Summer League, the only thing that comes up, almost all of them to a man, will tell me the whole it can't work basketball wise is goofy. I agree. The issue is personality-wise. That's the issue. That there are those guys going to clash. Are those guys, personality-wise, are they going to clash? Because they are clearly wired very different ways. There is is a sense amongst many, and, and you know, and a lot of this is still shrapnel from the end of the rocket season, that... Paul is the guy that will say, F this, I'm putting you on my back. We ain't losing this game. Give me the damn ball. And he takes over games, and he's an amazing clutch performer. And clearly Harden was not the F this, we ain't losing this game. We just saw him get buried on his home court and having one of the worst games of his life, right? So how does it all play out? And But in terms of them playing together, nobody thinks it's a problem, I don't sense, basketball-wise. That was an original. How, how They both need the ball. They both need the ball. It is that whole personality thing because they are both not the – they ain't Kevin Durant. They ain't the easygoing, I just want to play amongst the guys and keep the ball moving and whatever else. Like how they're wired – and them clashing uh, personality-wise seems to be the the question. I think so. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, I think it's up to Chris Paul, really. I think Harden has proven that he can he can play off ball. He showed that in Oklahoma City, slashing to the rim, cutting to the rim, you know, just spotting up, hitting threes, even coming off screens more. I think Harden, it won't be an issue at all for him to play off ball. It's really up for Chris Paul, in my opinion, to really, I think, give it up a little bit more because you're not going to start putting, you're not going to stop putting James Harden in high pick and roll, right? right? Um, so if Paul's willing to relinquish some control, which I think he is, otherwise he wouldn't have been so aggressive in making this this partnership happen, right? So I think just the fact that it happened, the way it did before free agency, um, shows to me how much he wanted this to happen, knowing that this really theoretically could be an unstoppable parent. Because, like, dude, you're going to have one of those guys on the court at all times. And the fact is, is that these are two of our, our game's best pick-and-roll playmakers, pick-and-roll scorers. And for 48 minutes, Mike D'Antoni is going to have one of those guys on the floor at all times. And I don't think we can underestimate that how much how much but pow- you know, power that has. You know holds. Paul is hard on his teammates. He is. He is a force of personality. And make no mistake about it, it will become his team because of force yeah. of personality. Any team he is on, he is. It, that's the way it's going to be. For better or for worse in some ways. Right. Yeah. And so how does that play itself out amongst those two? But clearly a great offseason. Um, 
and a team that improved themselves. You want I to... love the P.J. Tucker thing, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's love right. him. And they could get Carmelo, too. Yep. I mean, if they'd flip Ryan. Uh, and yeah. that that's yeah. a weird one. I, I like I like Carmelo. I think Carmelo. As a fit with those two? I think Carmelo would turn into Team USA Carmelo. Really? Team USA Carmelo is a high-efficiency player um, with, with a lower usage rate. I think you'll see him spotting up more, uh, slashing more, cutting more. And, like, look, Boy. you can put him in some pick-and-roll, uh, too. That's a weird spot, though, Kev. I listened to Wojnowski. If you know, did a uh, with Mike D'Antoni as yeah, I mean, he buried Carmelo just one year ago. That, that interview took place like last April, like April 2016 or something. It was a like podcast that. that Woj did yeah. when he was at the Vertical, and I mean he buried Carmelo. I know. So now that yeah. what they're gonna, they're, it's gonna be Look, kumbaya man, with them. It's all about winning. If yeah. they feel like they I guess win so. together. Well, you know, one one thing on Chris Paul. One thing I heard this week because um, you know I've, I've bounced around the idea of like would Paul. You know, would they recruit LeBron to Houston or something like yep. that? And you know, one of the things someone told me. And I, I, this is just one person's yeah. opinion. Uh, they, they don't think Chris Paul would want that super team. Um, they think Chris Paul doesn't want like a championship handed to him. Like he wants to earn it um, fighting through the Warriors. That's what one person said to me. And so it's a little bit intriguing because uh, it kind of aligns with his personality. I th- in some ways, the stubbornness in a way. You know what I mean? Do you get that vibe at all, Chris? You're looking at me like you're like no. The guy's been playing over a decade. He's never been to a conference finals. He should he should he should do it any way he can. Yeah, hey I, hey, bro, you've tried to do it yourself. I agree. I'm with you. I, I, I'd, I'd get play, to a conference I'd, finals I'd, I'd and then play with LeBron. Yeah, get to a conference finals and then we'll talk uh, about how you need to do it on your own. When, when I play, you need to earn when, it. When I when I play pickup basketball with my friends yeah. and I get first pick, I always pick the best player. <laughs> I'm not gonna pick a worse player. I want to win. All right, next one on the five best off seasons, Boston. Uh, Gordon Hayward. Yep. There are some that I've spoken to that said they're really going to miss Avery Bradley. Do you buy that? Uh, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Uh, I don't think th- that people thought that he would be the one sacrificed for this season. People thought Crowder. People thought Smart. And then it was a little surprising that it was Avery Bradley that was the one that cleared the way to make room for Hayward. So I think one of the things – okay, forget his defense for a minute. Uh, offensively, I've read some things online and on Twitter and whatnot saying, oh, Celtics are going to miss him as a shooter. And, like, I totally disagree. Uh, I think Marcus Morris, you look at the numbers on synergy, spot up, ca- catch and shoot the threes. Marcus Morris is better the last four years on pretty much a similar sample off the catch. What you do lose is Bradley off screens and whatnot. And that's fine. Um but what you do gain is Marcus Morris in the pick and pop. So it's going to be a redistribution of shots. You, you do lose the off-screen factor with Bradley, um, but I think that can be fulfilled with the Gordon Hayward, that role. So now you do gain a new pick and pop threat in Marcus Morris who can attack off the closeouts or shoot off the catch too. So I don't think it's a loss offensively at all. It's just a redistribution of roles that's on defense where, yeah, you lose your Curry stopper, you lose your Irving stopper. Um but at the same time, like you need to be big around Isaiah Thomas. And that's where I think Bradley, as incredible as he was defensively, there were still some issues in the fact that he can't defend bigger guys necessarily, uh, whereas Marcus Smart can, whereas Gordon Hayward can, whereas Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you hope they can as young players. So I think going big, big and versatile might be a little bit better than uh, holding on to Bradley where you're going to have to pay him 20-plus million dollars next year, uh, I would assume. What about the idea that there is um, – that they got a bunch of guys that would – theoretically play the same spot. Gordon Hayward, Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Does it just you move to position, positionless yeah, basketball? Put them all out there. I mean, one thing. Just I'm, a load of wings. Yeah, one thing I'm going to be really intrigued by is, and the Celtics kind of did this in one of the games. I think it was against the Lakers where they just played jumbo. Yeah. Um, like you run the offense through Hayward and Horford um, with the other wings like Crowder, Brown, and Tatum uh, flanking the two, three, four spots. So you can play big. Like you have playmaking guys in Horford and, and Hayward. So I, I'm curious to see if the Celtics really unleash like a jumbo lineup this year when Isaiah's off the floor. Do you think it's enough to where you think that you could foresee a scenario where they could challenge and or beat Cleveland? Have they done that much? I mean, it's so hard to say because it's like Daryl Morey said on Bill Simmons' podcast. Like, you're building your team to be completed in April, not in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, yeah, they could have, they could. They could beat LeBron, um, but at the same time, like LeBron, I'd still pick. Like, if they played a seven-game series tomorrow, I'd pick Cleveland in six. Yeah. I'd still pick them. Toronto, uh, I was very surprised you put this as a best off season. This is one of those that you <laughs> threw the TNT on, but you were effusive in your praise on Masai Mas- <laughs> Yuri. Um, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, short deals, uh, CJ Miles. Got rid of Carroll's contract. So you were a fan of what Toronto sure. did. And me, you and I talked about this, that their window 
does look different because of the catastrophe that is Dan Gilbert and that people opine very seriously that LeBron may not be the guy you have to beat in order to win the Eastern Conference. That definitely does change things. Yeah. Uh, they're still on the blow it up track that I outlined back in March where it's like you go into the offseason, you try to make your team better, and you go into the, the you know, following year and you know you try to try yep. to really compete, see how good you are. Um, it, it would be more six months from now you think about blowing it up. But I, I think they had a great summer, man. That C.J. Miles trade was terrific because like DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet, I believe, can handle the backup point guard road point guard role perfectly fine in you could stagger minutes even a little bit more than you already do use DeRozan more as backup guard uh, point guard a little bit so look there's only it, one it, thing it's, it's I would good, say good move for them the only one thing I would say is I would certainly rather have Patterson on his contract oh, yeah. than the one they gave Ibaka oh, sure. that is a, sure. an appalling difference yeah. between those two guys what those two guys bring to the table and then the numbers that they got in free agency, it was rather clear to me that doesn't line up. They had both of them and then seeing and who knows if Patterson would have taken that deal from Toronto. But given what Patterson ended up with from Oklahoma City and what Ibaka ended up from them, that that's goofy to me. Well, I think uh, John Gonzalez at the Ringer did a good piece before free agency that outlined how Lowry and Ibaka have the same agents. Uh, so might have something to do with that. Gotcha. So the politics of the league. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, Interesting. And they're both only three-year deals. Yep. So it's not like you know four years with them or five years of Lowry. Golden State, you mentioned. Swaggy P, Omri Caspi, Rich Get Richer, except for Kevin Durant, who gets yes, less. For Kevin Durant, yeah. yeah I mean, what's he going to do? <laughs> who, who gets less? Um, <laughs> but they clearly TV. improved their roster. I mean, I yeah. I think that we thought that when teams win championships, there is a necessary sacrifice. You don't get to just run it back. Can he sacrifice so much? Huh? I'm only kidding. Yeah, but, that, but that's what happens. You do. And then they bring back Livingston, and they bring back Iguodala, and they and add these, and these two guys that are real bucket getters, you know, especially you can envision them, especially in in the scenario that they're going to be in, as being, if they are counted on to be more than what they are going to be in Golden State, a periphery, hey, whatever you do is great. But in terms of just catch and shoot guys, playing with the rest of those, these are great additions. It's perfect, man. I mean, Swaggy P, I feel like he's underrated in some ways because like he has... There's so much to him other than basketball that we yep. know about and we talk about uh, just his persona, but he's a good basketball player and he's an excellent spot up shooter. So you put him in that role on Golden State, like he's going to be really nice. Never mind Caspi, excellent spot up shooter too. They bought Jordan Bell for three point five million dollars, and like if you're if you're putting guys on teams before the draft, like where you want them to go, yep. you would want Jordan Bell to go to the Warriors yes. just based on fit, versatility, and a role and opportunity. So for them, like think about what Javale McGee did last year for the Warriors, and I think Jordan Bell could do it better. You know what the interesting yeah. thing about Jordan Bell is? I loved him. One of my favorite prospects in the draft. Um, he can still, even in this even in this scenario, he can still block shots like crazy. Oh he is a great shot blocker, and then he can run the court and he'll be able to finish. Weirdly enough, something I did not expect, he gets gassed fast. He needs to get in a lot better shape, especially to play the way the Warriors play, because he looks like this high motor athletic, super athletic guy, but he gets a little tired. It seemed like the racing up and down the court really fast got to him, maybe a little more so than some of the other guys, because I'm a big fan of his. Um, But yeah, they they did great. Uh, Oh, here's a little tidbit from Summer League. So here's a odd conversation that I had. I need I have not met him yet. Um, but I need to this week. Bob Myers runs, of course, the Golden State Warriors. And I was talking to somebody about Myers, and they were just going on and on about how he is the coolest guy ever. And he is, you really need to meet him. Great guy, yada, yada, yada. And then uh, they said that he plays pickup with Bob the guys. Yes, he plays pickup a lot of times, like amongst the people there, like around around Golden State, that they play pickup together. And I said, how good is he? And they were like, he is awesome. I was like, what? It's one of those people that's like great at everything they do. No, right? he's <laughs> evidently, they're like, he is, he's like 40 something, yeah. low 40s. So he's not super old, but that he is, he is in unbelievable shape. And I didn't know this, 
I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to us who'll be like, oh, you didn't know this, idiot. <laughs> he was on the Tyus Edney UCLA title team. Really? He didn't play, so that's how I wouldn't know. But I didn't know that was part of his story. He was on the UCLA, oh, yeah. the Tyus Edney team. NCAA champion, 1995. Yeah, 95. Bob Myers. How about that? They say he can hoop. Like, for real hoop. Not like normal GMs. <laughs> I mean, he's not. How about he's, that? Yeah, he's... um. This guy's got a tough life. I, 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 Great I, shape, good looking, runs the best team in the world. He's <laughs> awesome uh, at basketball. Yeah, Screw it, Bob it, Myers. He, he's, he's got a fascinating story just, you know, being an agent. Yep. Well, a high profile agent. Oh, not, yeah. not just any agent. Very high profile. And then making the jump to... To doing a DMing gig for the best team in the world, it's, yep. it's something else. And I, one thing about Bob Myers, I, I whenever I hear his name, I think about what he said at Sloan at the Sports Analytics Conference in Boston this year. Uh, he mentioned when he talked to Steph Curry about the possibility of adding Kevin Durant, and I might have said this before on here, said this on here before, but he said Curry was like hell yeah, like all about it, and. Bob like just took that as a sign that like good like we get a group of guys where like the only important thing is winning yeah because like some players like they might have been like you know what no I'm the guy here you know I don't want someone else here so they're willing to share give up a little bit of their little bit of their stardom to add another guy to really just increase their chances of winning and winning and winning and really right now it doesn't seem like they're going to stop winning other five other of your five best all seasons Atlanta even though there was a glaring omission of Oklahoma yeah. City yeah. you do mention Atlanta who is. Oh, God, this is a Kevin O'Connor favorite. 11 picks in the next few drafts, <laughs> going nowhere. <laughs> you know, you're going to look in the stands this year. I can't wait till you turn on League Pass and you're like, Atlanta's doing the right thing. And you're going to see <laughs> great tickets available, let's just say. Yeah, Unle- the only way, empty. Unless Gucci yeah. Mane shows up and then there might be some people at the games. Um, I will say, they're two young guys. Um, I thought DeAndre Bembry and Prince. Yeah. Like, I really like both of them. I think they might have hit um, on both of those. They, they, I, I'm already certain they hit on Prince. Um, I'm a big fan of Bembry. I like even more than Prince. Yeah, and then Bembry, um, who's played well, very, very active player, very active player. And then John uh, Collins Bembry yesterday. Is, Granted, he was against Mark, and I like Collins too. He's a talented player. Well, John Collins, he was great in college. Yeah, really good. Outstanding player in college. Um so, yeah, they got some interesting pieces going on, and you chronicled how their GM said, assets, 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 yeah, yeah. assets, assets. Yeah, he's basically, basically, in other words, like what he said was we're in a stage where it's like about accumulating assets, yeah. uh, and then when it's time to strike, you're ready. And I think that's why this season – it's very important for Atlanta to understand who they are. Like you, you sure you could spend some money and add some players and push towards the middle, but the best path for them to getting back to like the level that they were just a couple years ago is tanking and getting a top pick in this draft. Cause either you keep that player or if an opportunity comes up to trade for a guy, I don't know who it could be. Maybe John wall becomes yeah. available or whoever it might be a sign and trade with a free agent. You have that pick and you have those players where you are the team that can pounce on that. Now you, you and I obviously have fundamental disagreements on this because I have seen yep. teams do it and I get it right. The idea is to get the picks. You have to nail the picks. You have to, yep, you can fail. Right. And, or, and then you're just you might go a decade and not be a good <laughs> team or you might be Orlando. Uh, and you and you go all right. Where all are they? Picks and none of them really. Yeah, where are expecting. they going now? Yep. Um, you love theoretical teams. I like real teams. You love theoretical teams, <laughs> <laughs> right? The idea of the asset and what yeah, yeah. could be, yeah. right? Um, because I think there is a value to being okay. There is. I do. I think there's there a value is. to being being okay. Might land you Paul Millsap. Yep. Right. Because. It's okay. Like you look and see. All right, Denver could be something, right? They got these good young pieces. They got to, I, that. That would be a place I'd like to play. Is, is Millsap still a bridge player for them, though? I, I, I love. The, let me just make that yeah. clear. I love the Millsap addition. Like that really elevates their potential this season. I would be and moving forward. I would be. I was. I was surprised that, and I didn't realize this until you wrote it. Somehow, I just missed it in the course of it. That he wasn't even offered by Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, that's what he says. I was surprised I, I, by I, that. I buy it. I do buy it. Uh, just based off what it seems like they're doing. What they, they just decided. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I, I get it. 
I totally get it, and I think it makes sense. I no, mean, no, no. Why, I don't have. Why, why, I don't have. Why pay? Why pay him? You know, X amount right. of money for that's X right. amount of years when the best path for you is to tank, and that, that's why I love their. Well, offseason for sure. How so many? Much. How many wins are they get? If they would have re-signed Paul Millsap this offseason, how many more wins are they getting? Thirty-eight, forty-win team, right? Maybe, maybe. Right. The only thing yeah. is, you can suck and be a playoff team in the East this year. You yeah. really can. But I, you, I, I, shitty I, I, teams I are going to make the playoffs. They're really going to suck, though. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, I, they're they, really going to no, suck. Th- that team's not. But I'm saying yeah. that is the deal. If you wanted to just be a playoff team, yeah. it wouldn't be all that difficult to become a playoff team. For sure. And you've got a lot of teams that are kind of thinking the same way or are going to be doing the same thing, i.e. being awful. I mean, Maybe. think about how many – some of these teams are going to be really bad, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's going to be some tanking this year. I mean, there really wasn't this past season. I mean, not like any just deliberate tanking the entire season. Uh, go, the last 20, 25 yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, that, that always happens, though. But I think, I think through the whole year, we might see a little bit more this season. Right, it's, a, it's a top-heavy draft. Let's get to the five worst, and we'll run through these quickly. Um, I had absolutely no problem with your five worst, but I did find it interesting. And I don't know if you noticed this when you were writing it. All five Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not notice that. All five. Did not notice. Hmm. All five were Eastern Conference teams. <laughs> This yep. is how bad this disparity has gotten. And I don't disagree with you. Let's go through one more one. Cleveland, you you got bad PR yeah. going on. It's you mo- come it's off losing Dan Gilbert stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you come off losing to Golden State. You've got the Dan Gil- or you've got the Dan Gilbert stuff, and then um, losing David Griffin. Then you've got the story, which is, and it's the way. You always have to be concerned about the way the narrative goes on this stuff. And the way the narrative went on the Chauncey Billups deal was not Chauncey Billups turns it down. He doesn't want – this isn't the right time or whatever. It was Dan Gilbert is cheap. He lowballed Chauncey Billups. That's why he's not the GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that is a rough one. You never. It, it's fine if you make the if you make the pitch and and a guy just says, "Hey, not now, right?" And he just makes a decision. I'm not going to be an NBA GM right now. But what you don't want is the story coming out. He would have been the NBA GM, except uh, this cheapo wouldn't pay him. <laughs> I, I, I wish we had more details of those negotiations. Yeah. I'm surprised we even got that scoop. I know. Uh, so that was an interesting window in, into. Uh, into, I guess, Dan Gilbert and why he's never really re-signed or extended. Well, and you have managers. a friggin' title team. Like a team that won the title two years ago, was just yeah. in the NBA Finals, and really competed in the last three games. It was not some kind of bloodbath. And you have gone through this whole damn thing with the draft and then up to now with no general manager. You have gone from the <laughs> draft through free agency to now we're at Summer League with no general manager. That is outrageous I think um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with them because I, I think Kobe Altman is probably the guy that they hire uh, I just get that vibe just talking to people um, I know I believe Adrian Wojnarowski had a report this morning that said uh, Dan, Dan Gilbert met with him so that that could be a possibility where you know, I just think just hire him he's good everything I hear about Altman is that he's good he's smart young um, he's got a lot of potential. I, I just think if you're Dan Gilbert, why wouldn't you want to pay whoever it is that you perceive as the best general manager as your captain post LeBron? Because like you need someone who's really going to really, I think, make the right decisions in a post LeBron world. You, um, you will know from personal experience. I know from personal experience, and I will tell you, he is a great guy, great kid. Jeff Green makes basketball teams worse. End of story. Yeah, he does. That was just dumb. Yeah, he does. He makes teams worse. You are not better because of Jeff Green. Trust me. Mm -hmm. I lived it. I I like what Network said on Twitter. Jason Concepcion, historic moment as the Cavs become potentially the final NBA team to fall for the old, let's sign Jeff Green prank. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, so Cleveland was, uh, was one of the worst. You mentioned the Pistons. Everybody loves Stan Van Gundy personality wise. Um, most people have a very high opinion of him as a head coach. General managing has not oh appeared boy. to be his uh, finest hour over the course of the last couple of years of running this team, and you are unimpressed. I mean, he's paying like $40 million to 
Boban and Ish Smith and Josh Smith is still stretched. Uh, that now he signed Langston Galloway for a whole bunch of money. I like the Avery Bradley trade, I, um, but at the same time, like he's still going to be really costly, and I'm not, I'm not convinced he's going to be worth it. I, I like Bradley a lot, but twenty million plus for him, phew, I don't know. Um, I like the Luke Kennard pick. Like I said in the article, I like Kennard, um, but at the same time, just it, it's really a there'll be a playoff it, team it, though. It, it's really it's really I think a snowball effect of the decision yeah. each year, where like maybe they didn't have a bottom five worst off season because the Avery Bradley trade helps them, and Kennard could be a good player. But that that Galloway deal, I don't like it. I don't like it. I I just I I just don't like what they've been doing, and I think. I don't hate I, that deal. I don't hate it. I mean, if it's a mistake, it's a seven million mistake. Yeah, I mean, it's not a. But it's a se- it's a seven million dollar mistake on top of a bunch of other mistakes. But he can be a rotation guy. Yeah. There'll be a playoff team. They will. Yeah, sure. In the East. Yeah, and then they'll get smoked in the first round. Knicks. I mean, I don't even know if we need to talk about this. It goes without saying. I mean, it's just a. It it's been an saying. absolute disaster. What, what, is, what is there to say? And it's even worse. Even if the so the Tim Hardaway contract four and seventy one. That is appalling to virtually everyone. Um, and it's interesting because I wonder if it makes it so much worse because it's New York or if it no matter who would have done it, it's all and listen, anything gets accentuated because it's New York. Uh, and in fact, we're going to make that our Captain Morgan moment of the week. Tim Hardaway signing an offer sheet for four years and seventy one million dollars with the New York Knickerbockers who even he was surprised at the amount that was going on. And uh, I think what we would do is possibly uh, they could do Tim Hardaway night, at least since he is getting all this money. I do think at least one time throughout the season, they should have Tim Hardaway buys your drinks nights. And he, you go to the arena and Tim Hardaway pays for you to get drunk so that you can watch your first two beers are uh, are brought to you by Tim Hardaway. I don't know. I would have to do the math in my head. Obviously, things co- are a little more costly in New York. But Tim Hardaway, even he is surprised by the $71 million. I made the joke on Twitter uh, when I saw the contract um, that Atlanta's headquarters, when the facts came through or whatever, however they got the document, <laughs> they said, is that a seven yeah. in front of that one? Tim Hardaway Jr. signing an offer sheet. His father, who's a great NBA player, got paid $47 million in his entire career. His son is about to sign a $71 million contract. We now endorse Tim Hardaway drink night. Go there and Tim Hardaway pays for your drinks. That's the Captain Morgan's moment of the week. Tim Hardaway signing a four-year 71. And I suppose the entire New York Knicks front office was drinking Captain Morgan when they decided, oh, hell, just go get Tim Hardaway Jr. We could get him. There's no way they'll match. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you, especially you, the New York Knicks front office, please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. <laughs> 71 million bucks for Tim. Now, okay, let me play devil's advocate for a second, and I'm going to do this very poorly. Okay. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s signed offer sheet is not the worst contract given out because he doesn't suck. He's not a bum. He's not worth that, but he's not either. And he can play, but he's not terrible. And there are bums that will sign good (laughs) deals. And the fact that he is not a bum makes that not the worst spent money. And And I'll play devil's advocate with you. Um, he's also still young. He's only 25. Right. And the last two months of the season with Atlanta, he was balling. Ballin'. He was balling. Uh, might- and I saw workout videos of him this summer recently, and he looked fantastic in a gym versus a chair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's like that's when you see that, you know he's going to be great. When, when Is he a good fit with Porzingis? That's the, I would view everything through that prism if I'm running the sure. mix. Yeah, I, th- yes. I, think, I think it could work. I think it can. Yeah. Uh, I, at the same time, though, it's like <laughs> they don't have anything else. So yeah. I, I feel like I think Porzingis can fit against a lot, fit with a lot of different guys. Uh, the problem is, is that they don't really have much else to to fit with him long term. Okay, Will, Hernan Gomez, Hardaway, Porzingis. Is that your three keepers? That's really about it, right? Womp, 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 womp. The Bulls, they're next on your yeah. five worst off seasons. We, I mean, what are they doing? Yeah, we talked about marketing already, and just. All right, so let's get to let's get to what matters about the Bulls. Yeah, we talked about Mark and then the Jimmy Butler trade sucked. 
that you look at their roster and it's like, why, why? Um, let's get to the real thing. Who do we think Dwayne Wade's going to end up playing for? Because that has not been talked so, about a lot. So, so we're assuming he gets bought out. He gets bought out. Like, let's just pretend he gets bought out today. Like, after we, we, we press end on yeah. this podcast and we send it off, he gets bought out. Where is he going to go? I cannot fathom. It's, it's going to be Houston or Cleveland. Right? I cannot fathom that Dwayne Wade ends up playing out the year for the yeah, Chicago Bulls, right? Yeah, even, at least Why? by the deadline he's bought out or something. Yeah, right? I don't think they I don't think they do it now, but maybe by the deadline. Just I, not I'm the just, look, just look, not the Warriors. I'm just looking at Bulls right now. It says <laughs> Cam- Cameron Payne went home today for family reasons and won't return to summer league. So they they've uh, and they lost Chris Dunn recently as well. So some some of their young guys have left the team in the past couple of days. Disappointing we haven't been able to see Chris Dunn too much. Yep. Because, I mean, look, he, he he was amazing in Summer League last year, and one of those guys where like, people were like, whoa, rookie of the year, and then he stunk no. for the Wolves. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, I believe it was Wojnowski, had, had a report that Thibodeau wanted Dunn to be the starter like 20 games of the year. Like, that wouldn't have been possible. He could have played 200 games and he wouldn't have been ready. I mean, I think with Chris Dunn, he's... I'm not done with him, though. I mean, either. Nobody no should No pun be. intended. No, I'm not be. done with Dunn. You shouldn't be. Because point guards take a long time to develop yep. oftentimes. And especially for him, like, his develop, development was so unique in college with the injuries he's had yep. that set him back. So give Chris Dunn time. Yep. But at the same time, like, it's important that you do reassess your evaluation. And I was talking to somebody last night. I forget who said it. But it's like the Bulls made this trade not based off everything that happened the past year. So Chris Dunn stunk with Minnesota, so you need to revise your original evaluation of him at least a little bit. Um, And then Zach Levine tore his ACL. Um, If they had made this deal last year, I don't think it would look nearly as bad um, through, through that lens. But based off all the new information that we have, that's what made it such a bad deal to me. Levine coming off a torn ACL, and personally I'm not a big fan of him in the first place. And then Chris Dunn, um, not, not a good rookie year for him. I saw Zach Levine at the games two days ago. He was wearing a jean jacket. It was it was the most bizarre thing. It was something out of the Westbrook attire, I believe. But it was like a <laughs> jean. Imagine a the, jean the, jacket. The, West, the Westbrook line. A jean jacket with the sleeves like cut off. So like a sleeveless jean jacket, right? And it and it had. Um, you're never going to believe this. Guess what was the big emblem embroidered on the back? When I walked in, I was like, "What in the hell?" And then I turned around. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's Zach Levine." He was standing in the tunnel as I was walking into the into summer league. Motorhead. Motorhead. Now, how many times do you think Zach Levine has listened to Motorhead? <laughs> think he's a big Lemmy fan? Every day, every day he listens to them. First thing he listens to in the morning. Do you think that Zach Levine could tell you literally anything about Motorhead? <laughs> I'm not sure. You might be surprised, Chris. You never know. He might be a hardcore fan. You never know. You have got to. You're, you're, I, you're looking at me like, there's no way. Dude, there's no way. I bet Zach Levine <laughs> does not know that Motorhead is a is a band. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a cool word, Motorhead. <laughs> I, had a, I had a Lyft driver yesterday who says he can't go a day without listening to CCR. Can't go a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, then he'll be very excited. This hotel in which we're doing the podcast in, uh, John Fogarty is going to yeah. be here in the coming months, yep. and he is going to be playing. They are promoting it as playing all of the greatest ah. CCR catalog, which is obviously a great way to promote it because the worst thing ever is going to an act and then playing all their stuff, <laughs> right? Like, yep. not not saying that center field and other hits that he yep. had are not things that you would want to hear, but let's be honest. Nobody wants to go see Paul McCartney and him play all of his solo stuff. Yep. Like, yep. you got to give me some Beatles stuff, too. And they are clearly promoting it like, hey, come see uh, John Fogarty and he'll play all the CCR songs. And we're like, all right, cool. You know, the, the great irony is not to, like, totally go off the rails here, but I'm seeing Roger Waters sometime later this year. And uh, his set list, I'm disappointed that he doesn't have more of his original um, stuff. It's like all Pink Floyd stuff uh, besides his new album that came out. But I just feel like some of of his other uh, solo albums would have been a perfect fit 
alongside some of the other stuff, like Amused to Death, uh, Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking, and, and none of that is on the set list. That's very, very sad and disappointing to me. That It's uh, a lot a lot of just Pink Floyd when I've seen him do Pink okay. Floyd so many times. You're Sorry. like literally the only person that feels that no, way. I, I know I'm not. I know I'm not. I know I'm not. I mean, look, like, look I, I've heard Welcome to the Machine so many damn times. Yep. I, I want to hear some of his live stuff from his solo albums. And last one uh, of the five worst all-seasons, Indiana. Oh, boy. Uh, Tough spot for Indiana fans because Paul George going out to Oklahoma City. The return they got had been widely. OKC, who had the best offseason. Huh? (laughs) OKC, who had the best offseason. They are. uh, (laughs) The return they got has been widely criticized. Yeah. Right. And I'm I'm a Vic fan. I don't. People were. I think people were too hard on Oladipo he's in fine. all of this. He's fine. Yeah, I he's, think he, but he's twenty twenty one million dollars. He's a little overpaid. Little. A lot overpaid. All right, but I do. I he's a piece, and I like him. He's a NBA starter and a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. He's not elite. He's a good player. Um, and Sabonis again. The book's not written on him. Who knows? Super skilled guy. Um. You know, rookie year was not one that you would walk away from going, wow, this guy's going to be great. I mean, I remember, I remember it was like, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. It was like late into the season. It was like friggin' like December or something. And I remember Royce Young who covers them. And he was like, and here are DeMontis Sabonis' first two uh, free throw attempts of the year. And I was like, wait, what the hell? That's unbelievable. He like didn't have a free throw attempt for like the first month of his career. And I was like, okay. I, hey, hey, big fella, can we get on the block a little bit? <laughs> can, can I share a story about Sabonis? I think I'm the reason why his shooting percentage was so bad. Oh, no. Three. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm actually the reason, but but it's just funny. Because so on December 23rd, uh, he shot four, for, four from six for three, scored 20 points against the Celtics. And after the game, I asked Sabonis, like, what's behind his progress as a shooter? Um, because he made a big jump yep. from Gonzaga to the NBA. He was shooting like 43% from three. He was killing it. And he basically said, oh, it's just confidence. Like, my guys always are pushing me to shoot the ball. And then ever since that game, oh no! ever since that game, when he was shooting at 43% on December 23rd last year, he shot like, like 18% from three. Like twenty percent from three. Holy macro! You have destroyed so, so Sabonis' it, career. Either either he ate something really really bad for like Christmas, <laughs> or 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 I got it. To we, his are, head. we are we are we are changing it now. From <laughs> Simmons always calls you the KOC. You are the KOD, the kiss of death. Oh, you boy. have you have driven Kevin Durant to become a warrior really? so that he could get a ring. <laughs> And now you have ruined DeMontis Sabonis' career. Uh, he'll be fine. Yeah. He'll be fine, even though he only shot like 20% the rest of the season. Three. He'll be all right. He'll be okay. All right, but I Indiana hope. right now, you do. it's one of those teams that you look at and go, all right, what's the point? Yeah. it's. I mean, look, it's like I alluded to in the, the last paragraph of the article. It's like, so you and I, we kind of have different perspective when it comes to like team building and whatnot. And so for Indiana, like their priority might not be to blow it up and get get all these draft picks and whatnot. For them, the priority might be like maintaining a solid to good team. And Oladipo helps them do that. Right. I mean, but if you're viewing it through that lens, then they might be the winners of the offseason. Like, yay, they're going to continue to be a 35 to 45 win team. They're going to make the playoffs in the week east. They can sell tickets and they can sell hope to the more casual fans and bring in people to the seats. And then they're the winners in that sense. But if you're viewing it through the lens that I do and a lot of other people do, is that this team doesn't bring them any closer to really competing deep into the playoffs. This trade does the opposite of that. Um, so that's where the biggest disappointment is for me personally, assessing that trade. And and for fans of the team, I mean, it sucks. And, you know, the fun, funny thing is, is like just talking to people this week, Chris, is it feels like to me people are still in disbelief about it. People yeah. are still amazed that it actually happened when it did. If they just waited a week, just waited a couple days for Hayward to decide they would have been able to get more from Boston. Then maybe other teams jump in. Who knows what happens? All I know is that doing the deal at the time that they did was just a huge, huge mistake. And that's something that I think they're going to regret um, when we look back at this deal long term. Because I feel like they, they could have gotten so much more. He is Kevin O'Connor. He's going to be filing stories here from Las Vegas. We got to get back to the Summer League games. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Ringer NBA show. It was good to be back. It was good to do a podcast in person. Fun, man. For certain. Uh, if you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. And we will talk to you next week. Everything is possible. 